Good morning, Gateway. Happy New Year. Glad you all are here on this transitional cool day. Glad you're here to be with us to worship the Lord and kick off 2022 together as we come together as the family of God and to worship the Lord and encourage one another and share community together. Just a few announcements before we get to our time of worship. Uh, today, again, kids first through fourth grade, there will be no kids worship, but there is child care for babies through K-5 right down the hall in our nursery area, but no kids worship for today. Um, also, there's no prayer time this afternoon. All of those type of activities and things will kick in next week um, as we kick off the year. Um, we're very excited about this Wednesday night, our first Wednesday of the new year. We um, love to do this at times to have a very special worship and prayer time that we would invite all of you to be a part of uh, this Wednesday at six o'clock here in the sanctuary. Um, it's a one hour service for the whole family. We're going to have scripture reading worship and we're going to have a very focused time of prayer in different areas of life and uh, things that we can pray about as we start off this new year. Uh, so elementary kids, youth, college, all those ages will be in here and we will still have child care down the hall for babies through K-5. So that's this Wednesday, 6 o'clock. We'd love for you to be a part of it here in the sanctuary. Um, our regularly scheduled Wednesday night program, all of those type things, the Bible studies, the youth group, kids club, all those things will kick off January 12th. So not this Wednesday, obviously, but the next. And the next Sunday morning, we get back on our normally regular scheduled programming with Sunday morning Bible studies, all the kids' classes, all the Sunday school, things of that nature. Guys, we have some wonderful Bible studies that are continuing on Sunday mornings. And if you have only been visiting with us or have only been here a short time, we would love for you to connect in some of those groups. Some wonderful time to share community, to be discipled. All the uh, studies are on our website at gatewaybaptist.com, so you can read about the different ones that we have available, uh, but it's just a wonderful time to get in the Word and share life together on Sunday mornings. And lastly, uh, Grady mentioned this last week, we have the opportunity uh, for, to submit to you and for, to provide for you this Dwell Bible app. 
um, that allows for scripture listening. We as a church um, are providing an opportunity for you to have it for free. So we encourage you to get on that today. Um, the link you may have received already in an email. If not, you can see it there on the screen as well. But just a wonderful way to start the new year, to start hearing the word, memorizing the word, meditating on the word this year. And so we encourage you to do that. So let's stand before the Lord. Prepare our hearts to worship him in song and through reading and prayer. And I'm going to read us this morning from Psalm chapter 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. He's a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. And he is highly exalted. Let's exalt the Lord this morning. Before we start singing this song, I just wanted to uh, read a couple of scriptures just to go along with it. We're about to sing the days of Elijah. And it's an older song. I remember singing it whenever I was in school. And um, over at the school that I went to, we do it in chapel service. But I just want to read some verses to kind of go along with it. Starting in Matthew 9. And uh, this is where Jesus is with his disciples. He says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then also in Isaiah, we look off of that and look into Isaiah 6, where you have Isaiah in this very familiar passage, but 6.1 in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to the people. And then he gives him this list of, of just this message to give to the people. And this, if you're in Christ today, then you are like Isaiah and your sin has been atoned for. That God has revealed himself to you and you've seen your sin for what it is. And God has saved you from that sin and atoned you from that sin. So as we get ready to sing this song, as we sing some of these verses, just like the second verse where it says, and these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. You have a word to declare that God has saved you. And as he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. And so that we have the message to give to a lost and dying world. 
As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So as our challenge as we start this next year, just be the laborers this year. Be the laborers in Christ's vineyard, seeking out and giving the word of salvation, the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world.
Come thou fountain, come thou fountain of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by
Sorry. 
Let's give our king an ovation that he deserves. Amen. If he was up here now in all his glory, we'd be singing, shouting, clapping. Amen. You may take a seat for a brief moment. Just want to update you on something before our prayer time. Um, Ty Carmichael, who's a member here at Gateway, um, one of our brothers in Christ. The Lord has just sent him off on mission uh, to a place called, in Tyler, Texas called Youth with the Mission. Some people know it as YWAM. Um, it's very dear to my heart and my wife's because that's where I met my beautiful bride. Um, Nikki and I spent five years there in the early to mid-90s. Um, they have a training center there at Tyler, Texas. And so we're very excited for Ty. He's been praying about this for, for many years, that the Lord would launch him out at some point. He's been on many mission trips here and there with his father's ministry. But we're very, very excited for Ty. So we just want to make you aware to be praying for him. Um, if the Lord brings him to mind, we're going to be praying for him over from the pulpit over the next few months. So he's in training for a few months, and then he's sent off to somewhere in the world. And then there's some other training sessions that he can decide on whether to continue or to go long-term to some country that the Lord may lead him to. So Ty, when you're watching, I know you're traveling. We will pray for you today. But no, we love you. We care for you. We're excited for you about this new adventure in your life. And just trust the Lord to guide and direct your steps with this new adventure. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just seek the Lord and for all of us to come together in unity to stand in the gap for these situations. Well, Father, our King, as we do pray and rejoice singing that amazing song as we hail King Jesus, the one who is in control of all things. Lord, I'm reminded every time we sing about Jesus being our king, just the, thinking about a throne room and thinking about the people outside, the citizens of the kingdom, coming in at times to make petitions to the king, to offer needs and different things for situations for the king to intervene. And God, thank you that we don't have to wait on the outside. We have direct access every day intimately because you were within us. God, you, you walk with us. You're our friend. You're our Lord, our Savior. Lord, you're there every moment for us to come to and to um, ask for things and to just to enjoy your presence and to be intimate with you. Lord, to intercede for others, Lord, but you're there. You are near. And we thank you that because of the cross, because the veil was torn in two, that we have access to you that way. And so we come each week petitioning, Lord, bringing these prayers before you to intercede, to stand in the gap. And Lord, we thank you for Ty. I've been meeting with him for months, Lord. I thank you for this man's heart, his desire to share his faith and to reach people with the gospel. Thank you for this opportunity for him to be discipled and trained at Youth with the Mission. Right now as he's traveling, Lord, he even texted me this morning that as a storm has been coming through, he's hit a patch of snow and ice between 
tooth points getting to Texas, surprisingly. We pray for your protection over him, Lord. Place your angels around his vehicle to keep him safe, to get him there safely, Lord, and just prepare his steps, Lord. Everything that he needs to do to get settled in, and we're just very excited about this new beginnings for he um, in this adventure you've called him to. And Lord, we thank you again also for um, one of our family members here, Jordan Butler, who's here with us today. One of the young adults here, God, we thank you for his service in the Air Force. We thank you for his heart and being here. And he has just been um, uh, sent, Lord, to where he's going to have to be heading out for four months on a deployment to the Middle East. And uh, we just pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray for your protection over Jordan. We thank you, Lord, for this call, for this mission. Lord, continue to remind him that he is sent out first as an ambassador of Christ. He is first your kingdom representative before he represents the United States. And we pray your protection over him. Your angels go before him. We pray you give him peace and strength, wisdom, discernment. Wherever he goes, God, know that you are leading him there and he represents you. And that you would just keep him safe. God, give him opportunities for divine appointments to share his faith, to show his faith wherever he goes with those individuals around him. uh, That you would continue to build him up. Let him feel your nearness, your closeness, your intimacy, God. And just continue to draw him closer to yourself as you reveal yourself to him. And again, we thank you, Lord, for his service and for giving of himself um, in military service for us. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunities to pray for ministries around Montgomery, especially coming out of uh, our fellowship here for Seth and Megan and those connected to the Hopes Ministry at Capitol Heights, all the volunteers as they prepare for a new year with the Bible study, with the tutoring, um, with Ashley helping also with the tutoring. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to give wisdom and guidance. Lord, continue to draw these families to yourself in the simplest ways of us tutoring them and sharing a meal with them. Um, the 30 minutes that they're given every week, God, we pray by your power and your spirit, your Holy Spirit would come and bring conviction and revelation and teaching to these young kids as the gospel is brought forth. We pray, Lord, that you would stir their hearts, that you would draw them to yourself, bring them to a place of repentance and an understanding and a knowledge of you. And Lord, with this new year beginning, we lift up our president, we lift up our Congress and our Senate. God, a lot of things are going to be decided over the next few weeks. God, we pray for your amazing wisdom to flow and to fall upon that city and upon that area. God, we pray that these men and women would seek you, would seek your wisdom, would seek your precepts, your truths, as they govern our nation, Lord, and make the decisions that is best, first and foremost, God, for your glory, and then what is best for our nation. So we pray, God, you would speak to them, guide and direct them, convict them, so that they can seek the truth in making these decisions. Lord, we thank you for Taylor and Sarah Fox and their ministry in Strasbourg, France. Thank you for the opportunity we can partner with them and pray for them. We thank you for them as they've acknowledged that they're in a dark place where it's difficult to get the gospel through to some of these, especially the college students. But, Lord, we know you're able and you are faithful, and we pray you continue to bless them with the resources they need. As a big part of their ministry is opening up their home for these young men and women to come in and just have meals and fellowship and discipleship and just share life together. And uh, we just pray, God, you'd provide all their needs. Continue to protect them and their children. Keep them healthy um, as you've called them to that place uh, to see your kingdom advanced. And we just thank you for them. Again, Lord, you're a good God. You're providing everything we need. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give each week. Um, just give a small portion back of what you've given us. We ask you to bless the offering today, things that have been given here or online. Continue, God, to give the leadership here wisdom um, on how to uh, be good stewards of what you've given us. And we thank you for these resources. And lastly, Lord, thank you so much for our shepherd. Thank you for Grady. Thank you for his heart to teach us. 
to guide us and direct us, to love on us, to shepherd us. We pray you fill him afresh with your spirit this morning. Give him energy. Pray for health and strength as he brings your word to us this morning. God, we love you so much. We praise you. You are good and just. You are a faithful king, and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. came in. If not, Grady and Richard have some stacks. I think Caden does well. Would you lift your hand if you need a copy of this? Any of the kids who want it? I see some over here. Grady and Richard, if you don't mind running over here. Richard, there's some in the back of this area, and if you'll run back there to them. So, so if you'll keep heading back. Caden, if you have a few extra, there's a few hands over here as well, if you don't mind. So thanks, guys. I hope that'll help you, boys and girls. It'll be just a notes page you can follow along with it with some fill-in-the-blanks and things to help you kind of keep up with where we're headed this morning. But I'm excited. It's a new year, and Winter has returned to Montgomery today, right? So after having summer all week, we're back to winter. But I'm glad on a rainy day that you're here and we can study God's Word together. Once you find John chapter 20 in your copy of God's Word, John chapter 20 this morning. We're resuming today our rooted study. As a reminder, if you're visiting Gateway or new to us, we're taking a year to walk through together something called a catechism. Now, a catechism is just a series of questions and answers to help us better understand what we believe. We normally go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We're taking a year to take a kind of bird's eye view of what Scripture teaches to make sure we're rooted and grounded and what we believe. Just as a reminder to you, we have a lot of resources to help you go through this study. There's catechism books in the back of the sanctuary on the table right there and in the office hall in the resource center. If you don't have one, please pick one up before you leave today. And there's a free app to go along with. It's called the New City Catechism. You can just look in the app store for New City Catechism and you can review the text. You can review the questions and answers and just go through it during the week. And I hope you'll do that. It's not too late to start. And if you've fallen away from looking back over it during the week, it's not too late to get back into it with the start of the new year. Now, before we paused our rooted study for Advent during the Christmas season, we were focusing on Jesus being the Redeemer, the one who would suffer and die in our place to take the wrath of a holy God, wrath that we deserve, to redeem us, to buy us back. In our very last study, some five weeks ago before we paused for Advent, we asked the question from the Catechism, how can we be saved? Just to jog our memories back from November, we saw that week that the only way we can be saved is by God's grace. There's nothing of us. We only bring sin to the table. Everything else is God's grace from his unmerited kindness to us, that he's chosen to redeem sinners like us to send the gospel message to us. And so, friends, when the gospel message came to you, if you were in Christ, you did something. You responded to what God did in faith. And so that leads to today's question. Today's question number 30, what is faith in Jesus? So question 30 from the catechism today, what is faith in Jesus? And we're going to combine that with the next question today, question 31. What do we believe by faith? Because those two things are inseparable. Faith always has an object. You have to have your faith in something or someone. You believe certain things. And so we're going to ask today, what is faith in Jesus and what do we believe by faith. Now, in a sense, this is a great question for us to start back with. This is a great review of everything we saw back through the summer and the fall as we worked through the rooted study so far. In another sense, this is a great question for us to be a challenge for the new year. And so as we think about it this morning, I don't want you to think just in academic terms of what's the right definition of faith, but to be asking what difference is faith making in my life? So let's personalize this, let's internalize this. What difference is my faith making in my life? Now, to help us answer the question, we're going to go to a text that I've referenced many times in the past, John chapter 20, verses 30 
and 31, near the end of John's letter. So the end of John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, as we read these two verses this morning, be looking for what is faith. You know, the word is not used here, but the concept certainly is. But then also be thinking, what difference should my faith be making in my life? So what is faith and what difference should it be making in my life? So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. We also have the words on the screen for you. John 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now before I pray for us, I want us to read this verse out loud, just verse 31. This is such a foundational verse. It's one we talk about, but I want us to say it out loud together and just proclaim this truth from God's word. So would you read it with me? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thanks. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for drawing us to yourself and taking us sinners who are rebelling against you and turning our hearts to the things of you and giving us faith. I pray today, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, that as we study your word, your grace gift to us, God, you would help us better understand how the faith you've given to us should transform us and change us to make us in the people you want us to be. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, well, let's start off this morning with the kind of the main idea, and I want to unpack this this morning, but our question, what is faith? Here's the answer I want you to see in boys and girls with a handout. You'll have blanks to fill in. But here's our main idea. What is faith? Faith is believing in God as he reveals himself in Scripture in such a way that it radically transforms our lives. Now, I know that's a mouthful. What is faith? Faith is believing in God. Faith in believing, same thing we're talking about here. Faith is belief. Belief is faith. But it's faith in God. Not a God that we've imagined, not a God as we want him to be, but a God who's revealed himself to us, who's given us his self-revelation in the pages of Scripture, the Bible. So faith is believing in God as he himself has shown himself to be in Scripture. But notice this, if we have faith, faith transforms us, it shapes us, it changes who we are. It's not just mere intellectual assent, but it's a trusting in God that radically alters our life. Faith is believing in God as he has revealed himself in scripture in such a way that it radically transforms our life. And again, as we think about this and we unpack this this morning, the question for us is, do I have this type of faith? And Lord, how do you want me to grow in my faith? Because the reality is there's so many people on the roles of churches across this nation and the world who think they are okay with God, but this is not what they have. This is not what they experience. So let's unpack this from our text this morning. As we look at John 20 this morning, we're obviously in the Gospel of John. A John who was one of the apostles of Christ. He walked with Christ during Jesus' earthly ministry. He was an eyewitness of all that he saw. He's not just tell, hearing things secondhand and passing on. He saw these things that he has recorded for us. And as he comes near to the end of his letter, he tells us why he wrote this particular gospel, this record of the life of Christ. And in so doing, he answers our question about faith this morning. So go back to verse 30 and look at how he introduces what he's telling us here as he concludes. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. John has seen so many things, more than he could even possibly record, but he's recorded for us certain signs. Now, what are signs here? Signs are the miracles that Jesus did. He's using the word sign to mean miracle here, the supernatural things Jesus did. Now, Jesus' ministry was full of them, and John tells us many of them. 
If you go all the way back to John 2, he tells us the first miracle. Jesus turns water into wine for a wedding. And then in the next 18 chapters, he records so many signs. He shows us Jesus healing an official son. He shows us Jesus healing a paralyzed man who's laying by a pool. He shows us Jesus feeding 5,000 people from just a few loaves and fish. He shows us Jesus walking on water. He, sh- he shows us Jesus giving sight to a man born blind. He shows us Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead after he'd been in the grave, the same Lazarus who's related to Mary and Martha that we studied last week. And most important of all, John records for us here in John chapter 20, Jesus' own resurrection from the dead. And these post-resurrection appearances where Christ appears to his disciples, he records all these signs, these miracles here for us. But notice something here. He doesn't call them miracles. He doesn't call them supernatural acts. He calls them signs. Go back to verse 30. But Jesus did many other signs. Now, why does John call them signs instead of a miracle? Well, I think it's quite simple. The point of a sign is to point to something else, right? A sign's not there for the sign's sake. A sign is there to point you to something else. The sign is not ultimate. The sign is pointing you to a greater reality. So, reality. Example. So, example. If you've ever been to Disney World, okay. So, if you ever go to Disney World, if you ever go to Disney World, when you go to Disney, there's just a massive sign that you get there. Right? It's got this huge archway. So, the Walt Disney World's got Mickey and Minnie on either side. There's this beautiful sign. That's amazing. When you get there, now that's amazing. And some people try to stop and take pictures. Even though it says they have all the warning signs up, not the sign of a sign, but the people still do it anyway. But the point of the sign is not just to be a tourist; it's to introduce you into a sign, to introduce you into a great point. It's to point you and to do something more. You get to Disney, and in some cases you get on the roller coaster, and in some cases you get to the shows, you get to the restaurants, whatever it is that attracts you there. You're not thinking about that sign anymore. The sign was pointing you into that greater reality. That's kind of what John is trying to help us see here. These signs, these miracles, all these supernatural things Jesus is there to draw attention are not there to draw attention to the miracle. Not there for us to realize, oh wow, that's cool. Signs are there to point us to who Jesus is. Is so that we can have faith. All these miracles John records from the turning the water and the wine to the healing of people, the raising Lazarus, to Jesus' own resurrection, these signs are there to point us to who Jesus is so that we can have faith. It was not recorded for us in this particular gospel. Jesus himself tells us that's why he does these miracles. Matthew chapter 9, 7 verses 5 through 7. Here you have a paralyzed person and people in the crowd are pretty skeptical and Jesus your sins are forgiven? What does it say? Rise and walk. You may know. But you may know. The Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, Rise. That's exactly what happens. He rose. That's exactly what happens. He rose and he went home. Jesus said to him, So that you can know. He's saying, So that you know that I have the authority to do So that you know that I am actually God and can do anything. I'm going to heal this man. I'm going to do this sign to show you who I really am. And for the rest of Scripture is there to show us that same truth as well, to show us who Jesus is so that we can have faith in him. All these truths are written for us so we can know who God is and have faith and believe. That's exactly what John tells us. Go to verse 31. Out of all the things he could have pulled from, he pulled certain things together. He says, but these are written, these signs, these miracles have been written so that you may what? You may do what? He wrote down these signs, these miracles, gave this to us in God's grace so that we might believe. Now, maybe you think, well, I don't see the word faith here, and it's not here, but when John uses the word believe, he's speaking of faith. John just uses the term believe 
or receive to mean faith. For example, John chapter 1, verse 12, you perhaps see this most clearly in his gospel. So to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, to all who believed in his name. So here you have believing, receiving, being used as synonyms. He gave the right to become children of God. So there's to become, to be saved, to be rescued from their sins, to be redeemed. Receiving, believing in John's gospel is the same thing as faith. And so God led John to record these miracles for us, to give us this gospel so that we may believe, we may have faith. Now that raises the important question for the morning. What exactly is faith? Faith is a word we use a lot, we talk about a lot, but I think it's easy to miss what all is included in this. Now, I'll reference this back in when we looked at John 3 last November, but let me remind us, if we're talking about biblical faith, saving faith, there's three things that must be present for it to be saving faith, redeeming faith, faith that leads us to Christ. Three things, and if any of these are lacking, it is not true faith. So what do we need to have faith? Number one, it requires the knowledge of God. It requires, first of all, the knowledge of God. Like I said earlier, faith has an object. It, really, it requires believing in certain things. Now this is really important because in our culture, we speak of faith as some type of like blind optimism, like some hope against the facts, right? So if you heard me earlier in the season say, I have faith that Auburn can win a national championship, that is a blind optimism, right? That is a hope against all hope, a hope against the facts. We use the term faith very loosely in our culture. It means it's kind of this wishful thinking. That's not the way Scripture defines faith or receiving or believing, whatever word we use. In Scripture, faith is knowing certain truths, certain facts. You see this here in verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The faith is believing certain things here. And John highlights two of them to summarize all that Christ is. First he says Jesus is the Christ. Number one, Jesus is the Christ here, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who was promised throughout the Old Testament who would come and redeem God's people. So he's saying that we have to believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he is the one who would rescue people from our sin. And he says, second of all, not just that he's the Christ, he's also the Son of God. The faith is believing that Jesus is himself God. He's not just a nice teacher. He's not just a good moral man. He's not just a good example for us. He's not just a regular man. He is himself the Son of God, the eternal second person in the Trinity, the one who always existed and who spoke the world into being. This is God himself in human flesh. And in those two terms, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, John is giving us a summary of everything Jesus claimed to be. His point is to faith in who Christ revealed himself because true faith in God is acknowledging who God himself says he is. That's why the next question of our catechism, question 31, simply quotes, what do we believe in faith? And it quotes for you something called the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed, it lists 19 things in that one statement about who God is and what God has done. And so, no, I'm not going to preach through the Apostles' Creed. As I look through that, it would take me about four and a half months to probably go through it. Because there's 19 things in it about the nature of God and what he did. But I'd encourage you to read question 31 of the Catechism because it shows us the object of our faith. It shows us who God is. So faith begins with knowing God as God has revealed himself to be. That's a starting point, friends, but that is not in itself faith. Because it's possible to hear God's self-revelation and know what God has said about who he is and to still not believe. John tells us this earlier in his gospel. In John chapter 12, verse 37, there's people who saw the miracles. They didn't just read about him like we're doing. They saw Jesus raise a dead person back to life. They saw Jesus take a paralyzed man and give him life. They saw Jesus heal people who've been born blind. They've seen the miracles. They've seen them firsthand. And though he had done so many signs, miracles before them, they still did not 
believe in him. There's people who saw it with their own eyes and did not believe. They had the knowledge, but knowledge is not enough for saving faith. There's a second thing that saving faith includes besides knowledge, and that is the word assent. A-S-S-E-N-T. It's not the word we use every day, but the word assent. That's simply just the conviction that that knowledge is true. And the conviction that what we're saying we just read is actually true, that we ourselves embrace it as truth, and we know it ourselves. Back to verse 31. But these are written so that you, you yourself personally, may believe, may embrace these truths for yourself. I love how Luke began his gospel. Luke chapter 1, verse 4. The reason he wrote, like similar to John, was so that you would have, what's the next word? So what's the next word? Certainty. That God wants us to not just know the truth, but to have certainty, to have a sense, to have belief, to know that this is true, to have the conviction of what we are reading, that Jesus is in fact God, and everything he says about himself is true. So friends, even a sense is not enough for saving faith. You can know the truth and even embrace that as true, and it still not be saving faith. How do we know that? Well, the demons. James chapter 2, verse 19. We're told in James chapter 2, verse 19, I think we have it up on the screen for you here. But in James 2.19, the demons know, I think, Matt, do we have that up there on the screen, James 2.19? There you go. He says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Well, the demons aren't saved. They know who God is. Remember, they're fallen angels. They've seen God in all of his glory. They've seen God create the world. They've been able to see him do things. They've been able to see the miracles for themselves. They see it. They know who he is. They, they ascend to it in a sense because they understand the truth. They don't believe it. They know it. They know it's true, but they refuse to believe it themselves because faith requires one last thing. What's the third thing faith requires? It requires trust. He changes us. Now, that's the huge warning for us as we look at the studies across our country of how many people claim to be Christians, and we see the disconnect between the claim to be Christians and how people are living. Friends, the huge warning for us from this is if there's no transformation, there's no saving faith. If there's no transformation, there's no saving faith. That's a whole sermon for a whole other day, but all throughout Scripture you see this concept of fruit, that if we are in Christ, we will bear fruit, that He will change us, He will transform us if we know Him, because true faith changes us. We get a glimpse of that here in John 20, 31. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now notice this next phrase, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That if we believe, if we receive, if we have faith, it does something to us. It gives us life in his name. Now what do we mean by life? Well, there's two aspects of this word. First of all, it's what we normally think about. There's eternal life. That if we have faith in Christ, we receive eternal life. That true faith leads us to having eternity with God forever in heaven. John chapter 3 verse 36 tells us this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That we have life forever in God's presence. Free of sin, free of temptation, free of sickness, free of pain, free of brokenness. And we need to celebrate that and rejoice in that and long for that day, friends. But there's a second aspect that what John means here by life. When we receive life in his name, it's not just eternal life, but second of all, we get God's presence with us now, transforming us. 
We get God's presence with us right now, transforming us. God doesn't leave us in this life going, hey, I'll see you when you get to heaven. Hope you get there okay on your own. He doesn't leave us on our own to wander this life alone, to figure out what to do. He gives us his presence right now. As soon as we trust Christ, we get the Holy Spirit within us. We have his presence with us now to do many things for us, but to transform us and lead us to him. John chapter 14, earlier in this gospel, John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper. It's a name for the Holy Spirit here. To be with you, how long? Forever. That means even now we have the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. If you're in Christ, you know the Holy Spirit. Because he dwells where? With you. And he will be where? In you. That if you are in Christ, if you have faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who's dwelling with you and in you. That God does not leave you alone. And he gives you his Holy Spirit dwelling with you and in you. And that transforms you. It will change how we live. That's why Jesus can say just a few verses earlier in verse 15 of John 14, this very strong statement to us. Uh, if we go back there, he goes, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us transforming us. Now, let me just be clear here. We're not trying to obey God to get to God. We've been seeing that in recent weeks, even working through Advent. God's love is unconditional. He loves us in spite of us, not because of us. Nothing that we can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does if we are in Christ. So we don't try to obey God to gain his pleasure or his favor. We already have it, so now we seek to obey him because we want to live for the one who has already loved us and redeemed us. So let's try to bring all that together now. Friends, faith is believing in God as he reveals himself in Scripture in such a way that it radically transforms our lives. In light of that, I have two questions for you as you start this new year. Number one, what is your plan to know more of God's self-revelation this year? What is your plan to know more of God's self-revelation this year? This goes back to what I was preaching on last week with the story of Mary and Martha. There's so many things that pull at us, that distract us, that take us away from what's most important. Romans 10, 17 reminds us of the importance of knowing the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through what? The Word of Christ. Friends, so what is your plan this new year to prioritize knowing God's self-revelation. If we're careful, we will be like not careful. If we're not careful, we're going to be like Martha, and we're going to get pulled aside and distracted by the tyranny, of the urgent, and not grow in knowing God's word. Like we mentioned earlier, there's a great app, the Dwell app, to help you with that. We want to provide for you for free. There's many tools to help you. There's great Bible reading plans. If you're not sure where to start, let me know. We can help you with that. But don't miss the beauty of community. If you're struggling to prioritize knowing the Word of God, ask other believers to help you. Maybe a husband needs to ask a wife, or a wife needs to ask her husband to hold you accountable to read the Word of God. Maybe kids, boys and girls, you ask your parents, hey, I want to grow in reading God's Word this year. Let's do that together. Perhaps you need to ask a friend, hey, help me read God's Word this year. Help hold me accountable and encourage me in it. Don't miss God's grace gift through community. What is our plan this year to know more of God's self-revelation? If faith requires knowledge of God, what are we going to do to know more of God this year? Well, my second question is a challenge for us this year is, where do you need God to strengthen your faith this year? Where do you need God to strengthen your faith, friends? None of us have arrived. Some of you struggle with doubts. Some of you struggle with embracing some aspect of God's character that just seems so far into you. Some of you have sin areas where you're just holding God at arm's length and, trying, and not asking him to come change your clean to sin areas of your life. Friends, where do you need God to grow your faith this year? 
I think so often we put on facades, and even when we pray, we're not real with God. We're saying, God, I'm struggling with doubt here. God, I'm struggling with this sin here. We need to be real with God and ask him to transform us. I love it in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. You have a man who is wanting a miracle from Jesus, and he says, if you can, and Jesus basically says, if I can, and this is the man's response. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. Friends, perhaps that needs to be part of our prayer this year of Lord I believe, but I'm struggling with doubt here. I'm struggling with sin here. Lord, help me in my unbelief and change me. So what is your plan to know more of God's self-revelation, friends? And then what, where do you need God to strengthen your faith? Friends, in light of that, I'm going to close by reminding you of something. God wants to grow your faith this year. If you are in Christ, he wants to keep growing. You've not arrived. We saw that with Martha last week, that she went from being angry with Jesus because things weren't going her way. And he lovingly speaks the truth to her, and she grows to make one of the greatest confessions in the New Testament of who he is. Something similar happens here in John 20. Go back to verse 24 in the text right before us, right before what I read this morning to us here. You have a disciple named Thomas who's struggling to believe. And so right before this great text we just read this morning, these are written so that we may believe. John contrasts it and shows us someone struggling to believe. Look at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, friends, before we throw stones at Thomas there, we can be a lot like that, can't we? We just don't put it in the same words, but we can do something very similar with our doubts, our sin struggles, thinking, I can't believe that, I can't overcome that, and we doubt very similar to what Thomas does. But notice what Jesus does next. Like with Martha, as we saw last week, he doesn't come to Thomas and say, how dare you question me, and just let him have it like some of us might do, right? He also doesn't come and just appease him. He comes to him to grow him in his faith, and he lovingly corrects him. Verses 26 and 27. Look at what Jesus says to Thomas in verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now verse 27. He said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put, put out your hand. Place them aside. Do not disbelieve. But what? Believe. Jesus, like Martha, is inviting Thomas to now believe and to trust in him. And like with Martha, it works. Jesus' loving rebuke of his people works. Verse 28, we see that. You see Thomas now go from disbelief to belief because of God's grace. And he explains, my Lord and my God. And doubting Thomas becomes believing Thomas. So with Martha last week, we saw God growing her faith because he loves her. With Thomas, we see God giving him faith because he loves him. Friends, if you are in Christ, God already loves you and wants to grow your faith too. So my question for you this morning is, friends, first of all, do you have that type of faith? Do you have a faith that is transforming, a faith that knows that God is real, that God is who he has set himself to be, and that God is willing to redeem you? If not, that's a starting point as you begin the new year. And if you need help with that, boys and girls, ask your parents. If you're not sure what to do with that, adults, talk to me, talk to any of our elders, our deacons, our Sunday school leaders. We'd love to talk to you about that. But friends, if you are in Christ, my question for you as you begin the new year is, is your faith growing? As you look back over the last year, can you see ways where God is building up your faith? Have you seen ways where God is giving you more knowledge of him? Have you seen ways this last year where God is overcoming sin strongholds in your life? God wants to grow your faith. And so would you, as you begin this new year, make it a priority to know God through his word? And would you this year ask God through faith and prayer, saying, Lord, grow my faith, help me in my unbelief. And friends, let's be a people in 2022 who, by God's grace, prioritize knowing him through his word so that he can give to us a deep faith that will transform us. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for your grace. 
You looked upon people like us who were lost in our sins, who did not have faith, who were, who were just living for ourselves instead of for you. Instead of condemning us like you would have been just to do, instead of leaving us on our own as you could have done. Lord, you made a way. You gave us faith and your grace to us. You've turned our rebellious hearts towards you. Lord, you've given to us grace upon grace upon grace. And Lord, as we begin this new year, we come to you as very humbly asking you to grow our faith. Lord, we can't make our faith grow. It is a grace gift from you. Lord, all we can do is to seek to know you more. And so, Lord, in my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters, would you this new year give us a greater hunger to know more of you? God, would you increase our appetite for you? As the Psalms say, Lord, we've tasted and seen that you are good. Would you increase that taste? Would you increase that seeing? Would you increase that hunger and that desire in us this new year, Lord, to know more of you? And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, who's never had a type of faith that transforms them, Lord, we pray that you would bring them to that place of faith. I think of the many precious boys and girls who are in this room, the children of Gateway, Lord, who have heard your word and many, many times whose parents are faithfully teaching them. Lord, I pray even today you'd be stirring their hearts to see what it means to repent and believe and to pursue you. And I pray you'd be drawing them to yourself as only you can do. And I pray around the dinner tables all this week, there'd be many conversations in the homes of the people of Gateway about the gospel. Lord, there's others who are here who are in this room or watching online who have never trusted in you. God, I pray that this would be the week that they would experience saving faith, a faith that transformed. That they'd realize they can't get to you on their own. They'd realize that all the good things they do are but worthless rags in your eyes. And God, I pray that you would give to them in your grace saving faith and entering into a relationship with you. And Lord, for all of us who know you, Lord, our prayer this new year is that, God, that you would grow our faith. Lord, you know where we're weak in faith. You know where sin still clings tightly to us. You know areas where we have doubts and questions and we struggle. And Lord, I pray this would be the year that you and your grace, through your Holy Spirit dwelling within us, would grow us and mature us as your people. When we get to this point next year, we would look back and we would marvel at what you have done that cannot be explained by anything of our own efforts, but can only be explained by your transforming work of the Holy Spirit within us, taking the word of God and applying it to us. So Lord, have your way in us. Sanctify us, grow us, mature us as your people this year. Lord, we ask you to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song and worship to the Lord this morning?
of precious truths we've just declared to you in worship and song. I think that we can say to you, O oh Lord, our God, Lord, that you have drawn us to yourself and you've given us faith. And Lord, that we belong to you. Let's treasure that not just when we sing this morning, but Lord, all this week ahead. And Lord, I pray this week that we would do what, by your grace, what we just sung, that our gaze would be transfixed on you, Lord Jesus. As that happens, that our hearts would overflow with praise all this week. Lord, give us a transforming faith this week to make us more and more into who you desire us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family, and Happy New Year.